What's up, everyone? We're back again with another episode with Matt and David. Real Sports Science Podcast. Let's go. We're back. We're back. Um, Lovely Christmas dinner. Enjoyed that. Enjoyed that time over the Christmas. Lots of food. Uh, we got an exciting episode coming up. We got our second guest interview with Robbie Wilde coming up in about five minutes. But before that, you know what I realized we did last podcast? We we came in all hype, all energy saying, oh, welcome back. It's been so long. We're going to have a big catch up. Yeah. And then we just jumped into sports news and we didn't even catch up. So that's what we're going to do now. Before the interview, we're going to catch up. How was your Christmas, Matt? It was good. It was you good. went skiing. Uh, for one day, yeah. Luckily, we managed to catch a time when the snow was just on the mountain because it was a bit hectic for some people. Um, so yeah, was I went skiing for one day in uh, David's hometown, which is Germany. Um, funny enough, you were in Germany as well, though. <laughs> my hometown, you? my hometown is Germany. Yeah, but I was in. Yeah, I was different hometown though. Oh, we could have done a little German Germany um, vlog, but yeah. And luckily we were I'm, in yeah, I'm upset that areas. you didn't post any reels where it's like, I'm with my cousin Wilhelm and he's about <laughs> to do a big trick. Have you seen those reels? Yeah. yeah. Mate. Um, <laughs> but how was it? It was a good, it was a good time. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I just love skiing because you're full and you know, I mean the chances you get really badly hurt aren't that high, but yeah, it just, it's a bit of fun, <laughs> isn't it? I love it. Love the snow. Yeah. Nice. Um, That's like, what'd you do for uh, new year? Uh, just watched the fireworks from everywhere else. We we were, we had an Airbnb. Um, we had an Airbnb in uh, the middle of a farm, so we couldn't light up any fireworks where we were because um, it would scare all the the cattle and the pigs. There were these two. Really, that's really like that's what the Airbnb pigs. host said. He didn't say that, that's but uh, out of respect, out of respect, we we did it like that. So we just could see yeah. all because we were in an open farm. We could see everyone's fireworks across everywhere. Uh, but there was two really fat yeah. pigs where we were, like proper proper fat ones. Um, that looks tasty. And that's the end of the story. I thought yeah, there was. I <laughs> thought there was a follow up. Like nah, there was these fat re- pigs, and they did something just sick. Really, no, no, really, no, just they were just pigs. really fat. But their faces, like really scrunched up <laughs> faces, or, like that. Yeah, really. That's really so fat funny. Pigs. How was your Christmas? That's sick. Christmas and nice. New Year's. Yeah, it was really good. Went to well, obviously went to Germany as well. Uh, my sister flew over from Canada. So she was there as well. I was in the hometown where my mom grew up. So my grandma's still there. Got some family there as well. So that was great. All we did, it's actually a joke. All I did was sit and eat. There's this, there's, which is pretty standard when I go visit my grandma anyways, which I'm not complaining about. There's this one day where we went to one of my uncle and aunt's house, right? Yeah. And this is how the day went. We got there for lunch and it was going to be like a big lunch. Got there for lunch. Um, <clears throat> get there, make lunch, sit down. We sit down. We're probably sat down for a couple hours eating, chatting, whatever. Right. We get up and as people are putting lunch away, we start to put on like the kettle for coffee and cake. And so I go outside. Um, I just like go for a quick walk. Half an hour later, we sit back down for coffee and cake. And when I say coffee and cake, I mean coffee and cake. I'm talking variety, not just like one cake for all of us to share. There's like probably five different types of cakes there. 
for us why, for us to share. That's why David it can't do incredible. any muscle-ups now. That's why David can't do any oh, muscle-ups. You know your boy's still doing muscle-ups, all right? <laughs> Say less. It was nuts, though. And then, story's not done. Uh, we sit down for coffee and cake. You just drink so much coffee, eat so much cake. We probably sat there for... Oh, it must have hours, hours. We started coffee and cake at four and it was about 7.30. At 7.30, somebody was like, so oh, we should probably get dinner ready, hey? <laughs> so Mate, we got like up this. to, we got up purely to put away coffee and cake and get dinner on the table to sit back down and eat again. <laughs> Mate, I, like, I like this sort of stuff. I agree with it. A lot of eating. It was, it was great. Yeah. Oh yeah. So it was, it was really good. And then came home and then my sister came over here for New Year's, New Year's, which is really fun. Went up to Nottingham to a hockey game with her and my girlfriend. Went a bit of skating, bit of ice hockey game. It was fun. It was really good. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's it. Now we're back. First episode yesterday, yesterday, last week. There you go. Last week, uh, um, second one, second one this week where we got Robbie Wild. Do you want to kind of tee him up, say anything yeah. before we get into it? Big man Robbie, um, yeah, no, he's a guy on my course, and then we went through a lot for that one year, um, and yeah, I'm excited to talk to him to see where he is now. I haven't really had a massive catch up with him since, so it's gonna be interesting to see what challenges he's faced when. Um, when applying for jobs, how he's got this new job, how is he finding it? Has anything changed? Had he learned something that he didn't when he was at Loughborough? All those bunch of questions. But we're just going to hop right into it, aren't we, David? So, <laughs> see you later, Robbie. Hello, everyone. I'm here to introduce our second guest, which is a very good friend of mine. Even though I've only known him for, what, a year? Um, he is a great athlete and can smash a long jump anywhere when asked. He's pretty bouncy, I can't lie. I remember doing some, what was it, doing some uh, agility, speed, plyometric stuff. Could Basically had springs in his shoes. Um, he's also doing pretty well at weightlifting. I remember one session he came up and said, yeah, I can snatch now. But after a snatch, um, he's currently rehabbing from a shoulder surgery and a bulging disc at the same time. Oh, from the snatch, both from the snatch. Yes, yes, indeed. He is, um, he's currently interning at Go Perform, and I'm sure he's loving it in there. And we will be diving into that conversation shortly. So here to introduce Robbie Wild. Thank you. Robbie into Wild the Wild. Evil. That's what we're going to name this podcast, Into the go. Wild. Nice. Yeah, that's a good one. No, thanks for that. That was nice. Cheers. Took me all day How to figure out that today, one. Robbie? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. How's the shoulder? Up. It's good. Yeah, I had physio today. Um, it's getting better. It's still proper stiff, especially like um, external rotation. Uh, it's really, really, really stiff. So, but that Matt, was. Do you know what that? Do you know what that is, Matt? External. <laughs> that's this. You got that? So David and I won't be talking for the rest of the podcast. I will just be ignoring him. Um, <laughs> geez, I remember. I remember you came up. To, I remember the next day after one of the lectures, you came up for a practical. I can't actually. Or was it just a lecture? And then you just said, "Yeah, no, I popped out my shoulder." Um, yeah. How did you do that? So it's it's a pre-existing injury. So oh, when yeah. I was like 13 playing rugby, I just separated my AC joint. So oh, it was nothing okay. crazy. And I went to the hospital and they were like, um, at first they said, yeah, we can have surgery to fix that. But then 
the higher up surgeon um he recommended against it because i was quite young mm. and it makes you stiff and you sort of can fix an ac joint with physio um but i wish i'd got the surgery back then because since then it i think in total it's dislocated about eight times just doing loads of really random stuff i think the first time it dislocated I, I was doing a box jump so when i like threw my arms up it just like came out the yeah. socket both your arms just fly against the wall. <laughs> yeah. You know when you know when you're doing a pull up and both his arms just like stay there and his yeah. body's just on the floor. Yeah. Like, that's then, that's like scary. One, I like jumped up to grab the pull up bar and it was just like a weird angle. It's basically whenever I get into like you've up, actually dislocated it doing a pull up. Just yeah, jump we'll it jump, up for a pull up. Yeah, the bar, yeah. So that's a mental. Yeah. So um and then every time it dislocated, um something else internally broke or like every single time like a ligament got stretched or like my labrum got torn so it and i ended up having like obviously the ac joint problem torn labrum and something else that i didn't fully understand um so the surgery i ended up having was a, a bigger surgery than i would have had right when i was younger but brutal can you do that's not so did they did they do it where they take a piece of bone off and just basically screw your shoulder into like screw your humerus into your shoulder joint? Not quite. I, I don't fully understand what they did. They call it, it's called like the purse string technique. I think they get the the remaining um, labrum because the labrum is all torn and open. And because like he was explaining to me because the labrum has like a suction effect on the humerus. Right. Like there was no suction effect anymore. Mm. Um, so they get the what's remaining of the labrum and then they sort of just tighten it up. And and they I think they also put something like a block something to block my right. rotation in there um so now it's like it's quite stiff but mm. it's getting better but yeah. okay but you're in a good yeah. spot then working at go perform yeah yeah it's good so like obviously i'm still with physio through the nhs at the moment but yeah on top of that like i could just have conversations with the physios there and when my back started hurting again like they they helped me out with that as well they have a look at it and give me some advice so yeah it's that's good. awesome it's good place. i was gonna yeah it go, goes on to the next question like how how did you find go perform you know going from say like a master's and then going to a first like full-time role um how have i like helped you settle in the difficulties you face when actually trying to get a job so i guess i'll break that down a bit easier like how did you experience any challenges difficulties when trying to actually look for a job coming out of the masters or do you think the masters was enough to get you a role no definitely like um but I think everyone experiences some like, anxiety when they're looking to get a job. Like I, th I heard you speaking to Hayden about it, um, like the, sending out all these applications and just getting nothing back yeah. um, and not being exactly sure which setting you want to work in. So like I applied for a couple of school roles, like what um, Matt's doing, and I went to one um, interview and I just didn't. It wasn't for me. Mm. Um, so, but then the way I found out about GoForm was Rich um, Blagrove, our me and Matt's course leader, he sent out this advert um, for GoPerform, which because the head of performance there, um, my boss Tristan Baker, he used to be taught by Rich Blagrove at um, I think St Mary's, so he used to be his lecturer. So Rich sent the the job description out. And um, it, it just it looks really ideal because it's it's in Reading, which is near me, like 25 minutes away. And because I'm I'm not married to the idea of being 
like a football SNC coach or a rugby SNC coach. It's like multi-sport. There's like a rehab focus as well. Um, so it was just like a no-brainer, really. Um, and yeah, I was lucky to lucky to get the place. So just to just to back up, Bill, for myself as well, and people who don't have any idea what we're talking about, just a bit of your background. So obviously, you grew up playing rugby. Well, right? or or well, grew up playing means, sports. Yeah. yeah. So. And uh, rugby was included in that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. My and, main sport when I was younger was um, athletics. Okay. Well, yeah. And what 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 event did you do? A long jump. Oh, nice. So I was like, I started off as a sprinter when I was really young, and then like transitioned to long jump when I was a bit older. Okay. Cool. Um, and then you did your undergrad sports science somewhere. Did you do that at Loughborough? At Bath. Oh, at Bath. Okay. Yeah. Bath. Why did I say it like that? Jeez. <laughs> like us. We converted you. You're going to become English soon. Oh, yeah, yeah. Bath. What? (laughs) (laughs) And then it's a master's in SNC at Loughborough. Yeah. And where you're working right now, Go Perform. Uh, I've just, like, I follow them on Instagram um, really for the last couple of months. And and then one of of my friends uh, is from Reading. And when she's down there, she goes there as well. And so it's, am I correct saying it's a gym that also does, do they have, like physios that work yeah. there as well. So it's like SNC yeah. physio. So it's like a one stop shop for that. Right. Performance uh, sport mainly. Well, right. it's a mix. So they're all, they all used to work, the three um, main guys uh, Luke, the physio, Tristan, the head of performance, and Dan, the rehabber slash massage, but also does like physio stuff as well. Um, they all used to work at Reading Football Club together. Okay. Um, and I then I think Tristan left in like 2015-ish and to go work somewhere else. And then um, while Luke and Dan were still there, like classic sports club situation, Mandy gets sacked and everyone is gone. Like even the kit man's gone. Um, so then I think that's when they decided they wanted to set up this facility that provides like top sports club level care um, for athletes if they want and also the general public um so they they do also just do normal clinical physio as well so people who might have like through like insurance um or just paying like off their own back they would want some physio for an injury so it's not just athletes like you get just regular people coming in right Uh, and that's quite good because when we're doing our sse sessions the physios like bring them in the gym and they see us doing our sessions and then they they might think, oh, this is good. I, I want to I want a piece of this. Like that's where a lot of the the members um, have come from, like being injured and coming in and then seeing how the strength conditioning sessions work. Right. So obviously, um, like I was saying, as well as the physio, there's also the performance side. Um, the main thing, one of the main things that I do is these um, group S and C sessions um, for the members called the Elevate members. So they pay a monthly subscription. Um, they get four coached SNC sessions a week, um, some access to physio drop-ins and massages and things. And they all they train at the same time, but they all have their own program on um, Train Heroic, this app. And they just they're all following their own things. And that could be anything from like a like a professional athlete, semi-professional athlete, or just like a regular Joe um, looking to get fitter. So yeah, it's great. Okay, it sounds really nice. It sounds like you're sort of 
even for athletes who don't have a specific club that they're tied to or a home essentially to put it like that they can yeah. always just come to a gym like that and then get the help that they need to you know get them to that next level yeah so it, that, that sounds really nice and then i guess one thing and I, i'm i'm sure you'd love this question but i remember we were being taught in our masters about like beliefs values um and like coaching styles And I just thought like since doing the masters, all those different practical sessions we had, all those different lecturers, lectures of um, theory about what are your beliefs and how do you adapt that? um, I was thinking about has any of your beliefs that you had, say, prior to actually starting to go perform changed and like your coaching style changed a bit? And if so, like which which ones or if you can give us examples? Um, I think mainly it's being like adaptable to different people so Mm. while we were doing our placements at Loughborough we were just coaching university students and um and and, and like just one group of people but here um at go perform there's like a massive range like there's even there's kids there's kids sessions and going all the way up to like like people in their 70s so yeah um I guess what I'm saying is like don't be too rigid in your and how you approach sessions um because you're gonna have to treat everyone differently like some people like a kick up the ass and some people need like the softer approach yeah um, so i'm not a i'm not a massive believer in these of having like a massive rigid philosophy because i think you need to be able to adapt to the different situation unless you you, you are a football snc coach and um or like a rugby SNC coach, it obviously yeah. is more similar. But when you're working in a setting where there's loads of different types of populations, and you need to be able to behave differently with other people, say like it, it does get quite difficult. Say if, especially I don't know the time frame. Say if you're coaching uh, a group of you know, uh, or like two rugby players coming back from injury, who are you know sort of need that sort of more caring um you know more not as such an intense session whereas say you've got a bunch of footballers who are raring to go who are going to you know have a big strength session um yeah you you've got to be malleable you've got to sort of conform yourself into different sort of situations and work what well at the end of the day work work well or the best possible version to align with what the athlete's needs are yeah well similar to what you're saying matt it's just um really interesting to hear that you have people that come there for physio and then all of a sudden they get bought in see kind of the style of training that happens there and then get bought into it mm. and uh, i had a conversation with one guy who owned a, a gym back home that was very similar to that and and we had we had the a training about or we chatted about how some people who especially don't come from an athletic background are scared to like train quote unquote like an athlete yeah but, but it's it's so cool to see that they can come into that environment, not coming there for training, but then have the chance to see what training like that looks like. And then like, oh, actually, you know, I always think, you know, everyone, everyone should train like an athlete. Yeah. Just, you know, obviously the intensity changes. Yeah. Um, and the needs change. Needs analysis. That's Matt's favorite word on the podcast. He loves it. <laughs> but there's definitely a, a stigma as well around weight training in general. Um, yeah. People just think of bodybuilders, meatheads, um, and they don't realise that it's super important, especially if you're if you're like aging, for example, um, like daily living things, like being Absolutely. able to stand up and sit down. That's literally a squat. Picking things up, that's a deadlift. But yeah, like 
Dan at, at my work, he he has a term for it. He doesn't he calls it robusting. He doesn't say like weight training and resistance training. When someone's like an older person comes in and he wants them to start doing some resistance training, he's like, Oh, we're gonna do some robusting today. Because he, he doesn't want them to sort of think, Oh, I don't wanna lift weights and get massive and things like that. Um Yeah, and, and have to, you have yeah. you found yourself get better or uh, have you found that you yourself have been getting better at approaching those people, especially at Loughborough? Um, you know, like you were saying, you're training athletes all the time. Yeah. And you can get used to training that population. Was it different or was it difficult at the start to kind of switch that mindset of of I have to approach these people differently? And how has that changed over how long have you been there now for? I've been there since September, mid-September. So OK. Like, so a few months has that changed have you seen that change and progress over the last few months 100 percent, yeah so i went from as you said training athletes they know the basics of of um of weight training and then going from some people who come in they've never done a squat they've never done a deadlift in their life and and it's quite a good practice um for coaching because you need to go back to the complete basics of teaching someone how to how to squat and you don't often get that at um some places if you're just training professional athletes um you're more focused on advanced exercises or or you're maybe you're not giving a, a lot of cues because their technique's okay so um and it's also giving different kinds of cues to different people if people don't know any um uh body parts so like like internal versus external cueing like it, they don't know um like this bone that muscle so yeah you've got to really break it down and be really simple with, with how you're trying to teach people things yeah even so and it's, it's, it's all good it's also good to have um role, role models there for those sort of people like yeah. imagine you're training and you've got a bunch of athletes that are just hitting that you can actually see what you need to do the technique in a proper demonstration right beside you doing like say eight reps of it you know mm. you can actually break it down and actually see what you need to do and be like oh, okay that's how you do it and then you can actually have great role models so yeah. I Matt's, feel like Matt's just thinking of how he can get away with not working <laughs> he's like <laughs> so i have to i have to, I have to, I have just, to uh, teach the deadlift today uh we're gonna look over at this corner of the gym <laughs> <laughs> when you figure hey. it out come back and we'll do our I, I can't do extra reps <laughs> of my deadlift mate i've got to i've got to keep my load i'm just tracking and managing my load david I yeah can't, I? <laughs> yeah oh but um yeah i was just thinking uh, uh, and the conversations we were having with hayden and we've had on this podcast surrounding like yeah. is masters or is a phd um good do you need a bachelor's degree talking about like are these degrees actually worth it and i was just uh, and th another question i'd like to ask was like has go perform taught you things that the masters hasn't or had hadn't yeah 100 percent um definitely more the soft skills like approaching people and but that sort of just comes from experience it's not like they sent me down yeah. like this is how you talk right. to people um but also more technical things as well so in our masters i didn't learn how to like we learned how to use some bits of equipment um like but not massively it was more theory based so here i've learned how to use um like a flywheel um like handheld dynamometers there's like a anti-gravity treadmill and all these different bits of equipment that and like speed gates and jump mats and things um and this like like practical skills uh, that i didn't really get from the degree 
um, but I, I did get all the theory from the degree. So, um, yeah, I think so would you, you say, definitely need a combination. Yeah, I was going to say, so would you say like just when if you're doing a master's, um, which, you know, I think we're alluding to that you do sort of need in a sense, um, definitely make the most out of it by just getting a placement on the side working with as many athletes asking as many questions while you're there so like say because i know there is a flywheel in the weightlifting area um at, at power base um just even saying like oh you know when we're there like oh rich like what what is this and how can we use this i guess it's just being proactive and making the most yeah. of the situation you're in um yeah, definitely i'd say that's one of the regrets i had i was just you know when you're just doing coursework or like lectures you think you're doing a lot but you actually have a lot of time but you yeah. put that time away for just just to relax a bit um, yeah. i wish i did more with my time yeah um, and i think it's just also um like you said placements are really important because I, I think the reason i'm needing to do this um like extra year internship is because i didn't know i wanted to be an ssc coach while i was in undergrad so i didn't go and do an ssc placement um i think it's really important if you if you're thinking about doing snc um in like your first second year while you're at uni yeah. definitely get a placement or at least like over the summer do a bit of like volunteer work because uh, mm. it's so important like you're not going to get with a, a degree a master's in snc and you've got no experience you're not going to get a full-time job like full stop like it's you need to have experience um Unless you do the UK SCA and then you just get a job, the best job in the world, eh? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's so interesting to hear you say that. But I wonder, so you didn't do, you didn't do much practical or any practical in your undergrad? Well, we did. Um, For a little bit. More lifting, um, like things that don't require really technical equipment, like right. Just, right. just weights or just plyos and field-based stuff. And even then, we didn't get loads of time. Mm. Um but how, I guess the question, the, I'm thinking like, Matt, you said, oh, I wish I did this and this. And like hindsight's always 2020. And sometimes you just don't know what you either don't know or you don't know what you should know or what things you get. So I wonder if even, you know, sure, you didn't do undergrad or too much practical in your undergrad. But I wonder if if you doing it now after having a master's and a bit more theory based knowledge and also knowledge of or just, you know, maturing as a student and as an individual of now in this position, you're going to actually be able to get way more out of it than yeah. if you did this same position two years ago in yeah, your undergrad. I completely agree because there's definitely things I learned in my, in the SNC masters that I didn't learn in the sports science masters, like more specific um, things about like muscle or just technical things that mm. um, I definitely didn't know a couple of years ago. So, and now being like applying it to a real world job, it, it definitely, I'm in a better position now than I would have been um, a couple of years ago. Yeah. I'm getting more out of it, 100%. And what's, what's, the, what's the goal? I guess you said you didn't know you wanted to be an SNC coach. So I'm assuming you would like to be an SNC coach. Um, yeah do you is that do you see yourself working in somewhere like go perform where you get where you get to work with a lot of different populations or or do you see yourself more as working kind of a team sport or individual sport in one specific population i think or you don't know i think more um somewhere similar to where i'm at now or yeah. for example like um 
ending up in like the EIS or something where you're um, with you could be placed in a bunch of different Olympic sports because I'm a lot of people on our course like Matt will probably agree with me they're coming in as football fans or rugby fans and they're like I want to be a football strength and conditioning coach I want to be a rugby strength and conditioning coach but I didn't have that so don't know who you're talking about I don't know I might have I might have met him I'm not sure Mr. Volunteering for every single low level rugby team. Oh, <laughs> low level. That I'll take offense to that. That's, I that's mean, ridiculous. That. I mean semi pro, semi pro. Robbie Robbie was starting a new podcast. The real, <laughs> real sports science. <laughs> the actual real one. <laughs> for real this time. <laughs> but yeah, I had no, another I had another question. Um just to, before we moved on, uh, you talked a lot about, you know, having to have an an open mind. Uh, that's not the word that you use, but being able to talk to different people, not being rigid in your ways. Where do you think you learned that from? Both like seeing it and also, though, seeing it and being like, that's a good idea and not being closed off. You know, like, where do you think, how do you think you develop that ability to be open to to changing how you train someone or how you talk to someone i think it's purely through experience so i had like a, a you have like a couple awkward encounters sometimes when like you give you talk to someone some way or you give them some sort of cue that they just don't understand um so going from just training one population i came in with that um like one mentality and one way of treating people and then you just have a few times where you you think back should i have said that like should i said it a different way and i think you need to sometimes have some some encounters to think about it's not a book theory thing that you can go and read about how to um approach different people i think it's definitely just through um like getting your getting your feet wet and and uh doing it through experience i mean that was amazing yeah it was it was really interesting to learn from from a from another point of view like um because i mean we both came from the same course and you know we're both doing very different things and it was just interesting to see how you know it's little things like how your coaching styles adapted how you know how we've changed from both our areas or like how similar we can we've experienced things in our different environments as well um and i think yeah it was it was just really interesting now for the final part, it's um, Robbie's favorite to- topic. He's told me, mate. He's told me so much. I think he's got a PhD in this. I won't lie. Just solely in this. Um, it's blood flow restriction t- training. So, I mean, David or Robbie. I mean, I've heard David know. David knows everything about this. He's got a PhD in this as well. So I'm interested <laughs> to hear, hear about all the knowledge that is going to be 100% true. Um, so, what is blood flow restriction training? So, um, I'll, I'll start with saying how I how I yeah. got into the doing nice. masters so just massive yeah. arm pumps is it <laughs> so yeah. um i had a training session with arnold schwarzenegger so, <laughs> um floor <not> restriction <laughs> so matt will know that um at loughborough when you pick your masters well you probably know as well um you get like all these choices of all the different lectures have that put forward their project and you rank your favorite one to four and um i my number four was environmental physiology like it's one i wanted the least um and i got i got my fourth choice basically so did i did you matt 
No, who got my first, mate? It's not what you know, it's who you, you know. You got your first? Yes. Oh, that's... <laughs> um, Ridiculous. So, yeah, envi- environmental physiology, that's things like altitude training, um, heat training and things like that. And I'm not an endurance athlete. Like, every sport I've done is like a... a that's power, why you're best mates with Rich. It's <laughs> like a power sport or a speed sport. So I was like, I don't want to do anything to do with... Um, endurance or team sports so i tried to look at every i just googled like environmental physiology and one of the things was blood flow restriction training so and that's one of the um obviously used in resistance training and i'm more interested in resistance training than i am endurance sport so i was like okay i'll choose that Um, that's so sneaky yeah that's so sneaky because as soon as you say environmental physiology people think of like the environment that you're in right like out, yeah. are you high are you low is it cold is it hot no one thinks of like what's the environment of the muscle yeah exactly <laughs> that's sneaky yeah so <laughs> that's the reason i did that and i'd never yeah. actually heard of it before um so i was starting completely from scratch and then obviously through doing a meta-analysis you through necessity you have to read like millions and millions of papers about it um and then i didn't think i'd ever encounter it again but then going to go perform they use blood flow restriction all the time so um yeah actually turned out to be quite a good um project to do but yeah essentially what it is is um tying or using a cuff or some other implement to block um blood flow coming back uh, to the heart um and um basically what that i think i i think i got that right way around but um basically what that does is getting nervous like, already does he know everything <laughs> yeah someone's gonna google and be like actually no um (laughs) yeah yeah that's you andy um and it basically just means like blood pools and like then metabolites pool uh, pool in the muscle and um it acts on like the uh, metabolic stress uh side of uh hypertrophy so the two main um determinants hypertrophy mechanical tension uh metabolic stress so it basically just increases the metabolic stress um when you're doing uh, resistance training and it's mostly used in uh, low load exercise um so like 20 to 30 percent well 20 to 50 percent one rep max is usually around 30 percent um and it's for reps of the usually rep scheme that you see all the time in the literature is 30 15 15 15 um and basically you just see similar uh, growth of a muscle uh, as heavy training uh with lighter weights but you don't see as much of a strength gain so basically the why it's good um for rehab and things like that is that you can grow the muscle back without putting too much force through the joint right so yeah it's mostly used in rehab but it it is a bodybuilding thing as well like it it was first um its first application was in bodybuilding in like the 70s but now it's it's becoming like a like a physiotherapy tool yeah I, 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 that's where I, the first time i've ever saw seen it was um just bodybuilders using it just to get like a, a big arm pump yeah, or, pumped, you know yeah. but um it's it's nice to actually understand it more now and see that there are massive benefits in a rehab setting mm. um so yeah. basically you're basically you're tricking you're tricking your muscle so you occlude like your arm or or your leg or something and you're tricking your body into thinking it's doing a ton of work because of yeah. all the metabolites that are pooling 
and then that yeah. causes like the release of growth hormone and all that stuff yeah that that increases hypertrophy it's so interesting have you have you done it at go perform <laughs> this is a funny thing so um like a couple of weeks ago I did an intern at Go Perform. I did a presentation about my master's on blood flow restriction, and I so liked it on LinkedIn. Everyone there thinks I'm like the well, they don't like they joke how I'm like the expert on like blood flow restriction. I've never used it. <laughs> I've never actually put it on. And I I get people like when I'm doing like a rehab session with someone, and I get them to put it on, and they're like really uncomfortable. And I'm like, yes, it's it is an uncomfortable experience. <laughs> like. <I'm, laughs> That's hilarious. You need to do it. Is it supposed to hurt like this? Is my arm supposed to? Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, the person yeah, yeah, just passes fine. out next time he looks at him. Yeah. Someone's walked in after hearing Robbie's little lecture. Someone's walked yeah. in. That's got it. That's got it. his legs. Got it. Every muscle's got it. He just walked in like this. Mm. Time to try. It is so un- uncomfortable. I did a practical in my undergrad where I um, wrote a paper about it as well. This was like four years ago now. Jeez. Um, and and then so I did it at the physiotherapist office. It hurts so much. He they had like this this leg press machine and I was doing the littlest amount of weight possible on it for like 15 reps. And That's I just standard I, David, though, isn't it? <laughs> oh, <laughs> the champ champ is here. <laughs> and I've never been in so much pain. I've never struggled more with such a little weight. Yeah, yeah, I was so happy when it was when it was finished. And I guess it's interesting because um, it I guess it's too bad because it's such a great tool that you can use, but you can really only use it for people who are willing to go through pain. So usually like more yeah. athletes have you because the other thought is you could use that like, oh, great, let's use that for like elderly population who are who can't do much anyways. Mm-hmm. So let's let's have them do less. Uh, yeah. but get more of a benefit from it. Yeah. I don't know. Do like, have you, have you used it with a different population other than athletes? Yeah. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. So when people come in um, and they're doing a membership or they're just rehabbing, um, like we, we do use it as a tool. I wouldn't say we use it with like really old people, um, especially not, I, I personally haven't, but I have seen in the literature, like a lot of papers mm-hmm. I read, they use it in elderly populations, but they do, they put it on while they're like walking and things. So they right. don't, they don't put it on and do like leg extensions and things. Um, cause you, it, when you like occlude the muscles and you go on like a, a walk on the treadmill, you can still get some like, like hypertrophy from that when you, when you're occluding the muscles. So I, I've seen it in the literature. Um, but the answer is yes, I have used it on people other than athletes, but not, um, not all people. I, there has been some papers as well that say that, that um, especially people who have high blood pressure, that it's not the greatest yeah. even on them. No. And how how has that been? Like, is that I guess I guess this kind of goes to a culture thing of what the culture of that gym is, um, whether people are more willing to do something that might cause a little bit of discomfort than not. Um, so maybe this is more of like a culture of the gym question. But like, how how has that been of like? bringing up the topic of this is something that we could try that I think might be helpful. Um, it is like you will experience some discomfort, which is normal. Like, have you had people that it's harder to, to kind of get buy-in for that? How would you go about getting buy-in from someone who isn't maybe 
an athlete and used to that kind of discomfort or pushing themselves? Well, people definitely um, moan when we ask them, like some people enjoy like, like sadistically enjoy the pain. Of doing it. <laughs> um, but some people like they, they jokingly moan like, Oh, I've got blood flow restriction. Like this is the worst part of the session things. Yeah. Um, but I think people's uh, willingness and like excitement to, to use these like novel tools, like outweighs their, um, them not wanting to do it because it's uncomfortable. I think people are, more, are really keen to, use these new new methods and and when if we reassure them like a quick explanation of how it works and they understand like the mechanisms behind it like slightly um i think they are willing to to use it i i personally haven't had an issue where someone's just flat out been like i'm not doing that like i, I so, sometimes people are like oh great blood flow restriction but it's sort of like mm. a bit of a laugh mm. so i've never yeah, had yeah. someone's been like no i'm not doing that but yeah that's cool that's cool. And I guess when, when the information's coming from the guy that has a blood flow restriction pro on his business card, yeah, you don't say no. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was an amazing conversation. I mean, I, I thoroughly, I really, really, really enjoyed it. I mean, it was just, obviously it's nice catching up with you, you know, my best yeah. friend for one year. Um, but <laughs> no, it was, it was, it was great to catch up and just like, you know, see how your career is going and progressing. Yeah. And, know things you've experienced um and you know i'll speak on behalf of david it was lovely having you on here um but obviously you're not going to leave without some rapid fire questions okay. and um i think i've got one um that's going to be you know i think it's going to be like five rapid questions so do i have to like answer straight away it's the first thing that comes to mind okay give or take why give or take why plus or minus rapid i think plus you know, or minus seven seconds um all right i'll give you the first one ready are you ready robbie i'm ready robbie wild takes the stage okay what is your go-to lazy dinner? Like takeaway. Good question. Uh, ooh, KFC. Nice. Apart from Naughty. popping your shoulder out, what is your hidden talent? Um, I can belly dance. Like, make <laughs> my stomach go like, ooh. Nice. What is oh, your favorite belly board dance. game? What is your favorite board game? Um, Monopoly. 100%. Nice. Who's your favorite Disney character? Ooh. That's a good question. Um, Woody, Toy Story. Nice. All right. If, uh, how do you usually answer the telephone? So if I was to call you, how do you answer it? Um, well, it dep depends. Like, as I was saying, um, different people. Right, so if I'm calling you, if I'm calling you, how would you answer it? Um, hello, mate. How's your day? Like, see that's so sweet i thought it was, but if but if it's someone sec it's hello mr mr blood flow restriction training over here <laughs> yeah yeah there you yeah. go awesome nice that was five wasn't it i, I don't so. know i wasn't keeping track i thought you said on that second one what's your hidden talent i thought you said i can barely dance yeah i heard that as well but then when he did the motion that was yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah 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 i'm so bad at dancing that it's a talent <laughs> No, that was that was great. Nice bit of. Fun. I got one more question. One more question. Go. New Year's resolutions. Pop or drop? Wait, cop or drop? Yeah, do it or bad. Yeah, that's a Canadian thing. Okay, sure. New Year's resolutions. Do you think they're good or do you think they're? Yeah. Bad? I think that I think they're good. Yeah. yeah. I think it's what's good. A personal, what's a personal one? Um, well. Text Matt or. Uh, you you put an, uh, an Instagram question up a couple of days ago on what's your new resolution. I, I did reply to it, get wham. So 
Like, all that, I have no idea what that means. So clearly, January's not the month massive. to do it. Because my left arm has shrunk since, since the surgery. It's, it's getting it's getting back now, but it was a noodle for a bit. So Hi. I'm just trying to get that. Get that okay. bit. What was smaller? What was smaller, your arm or Matt's legs? Okay, never mind. Next question. It'll be be interesting to do a a second part and maybe at GoPerform. Bit of content there. Absolutely. We can all do blood flow restriction together and see who lasts longest. We can do, we can altitude mask, blood flow restriction on both legs. Just at the same time. How long can you last? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, mate, that would be awesome. See who passes out first. That'd be so much fun. Wait, that'll be that 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 was yeah that'll be fun no yeah. it was great it was great having you on yeah thanks really, for having me. Really that was good fun it's good yeah, really, really appreciate it